I am now watching the Orville. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. You know, because I'm not like a Star Trek guy. Me neither. Never was. Probably never will be. Though now I'm kind of interested since I started watching the Orville and I like that. I'm like, maybe I would like Star Trek. It's going to sound a little weird. The reason I started watching the Orville is because I came across the compilation of Norm MacDonald. Oh, yeah. Because he plays Yoffit, the blob. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, this is very funny. And I I want to... Get the context of this. Yeah, I want to I want to watch more. And I've been actually really enjoying it. It's like a fun sci-fi show. I'm only in the first season. I'm almost done with that. From my understanding, it gets better as the seasons go. Yeah. Uh, what was weird, though, is I looked up some reviews like on uh, the Orville, just like what people thought about it, because I was like, well, is this actually like... Because, again, I never watched Star Trek, so I'm not going to start watching like the original season, uh, the original series, if I'm not... You know, if it's not going to be my cup of tea. Uh-huh. So I was looking at the reviews and stuff, and everyone was, like, shitting on the Orville and saying it was garbage and all this stuff. But then if you go to, like, t- Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, like, the critics give it, like, an awful score, but the fans really liked it. But the people on Reddit, the ones that really hated it are, like, hardcore Trekkies, and I uh, almost feel like... They're just jealous. Yeah, they just can't handle something that's, like, a funny version of Star well, Trek. Like, almost like a parody, I guess they feel. Well, they are also, like, a lot of those people are, like, hate all the new Star Trek stuff, too. They also were bitching about the new Star Trek. So, like, they're just becoming more and more like the Star Wars fan, to where they're just like, I hate it all. It's it's nothing as good as the... It's not Star Trek, damn it. And and it's just like, well, I don't know what that means, but... For my gist of it, and I could be... Because I'm completely out of my wheelhouse, I could be wrong here. It seems that it's the original series... And the new generation, the one that has uh, Picard. Next generation. Next generation. Sam, I'm already wrong. Uh, so those two are oh, the, the like, main, yeah. That's the, like, the original Star Wars trilogy, if you're going to go with that analogy. But there's like a Deep Space Nine. There's like a, there's like another like two there's or three There's a bunch. Of them. There's like a Discovery. I don't know if that's a new one. That, I, I that don't... was the first of the new ones. But everybody apparently hates all that stuff, except for the original mm. two. Ser- oh, was the next generation the second? series yeah because that wasn't until like the 90s i think i i don't know but if star trek covers which i really like is the idea of just going to various planets mm. and you just get into mischief and especially like the you know almost like x-files style monster of the week type of episodes too that the orville seems to do every once in a while here uh i'm down for that of course i could just keep watching the orville but yeah. i'm gonna get caught up fairly soon though my one gripe is i'm watching it on hulu and hulu is fucking atrocious the ads, like er, literally every five minutes, there's a two minute ad break, and then it's super in Hulu. That, that's you get to mute it because it's super loud and it's just obnoxious, and I hate it. That's worse if you would have seen it on, like, if you watched it on just regular TV. Yeah, there wouldn't have been that many ads. Yeah, and probably not for that long. So it it's really shitty. Like a forty minute episode takes an hour every time, and I'm like, why? Like when you came over, I should have been done with that episode twenty minutes before you walked in the door, but. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why they have to have so many ads. And I was looking up, like, I'm not going to pay more to have not had, I, mean, I want to get rid of Hulu, if anything. Yeah. But, like, I guess the new season of Handmaid's Tales coming out, and the missus likes that show, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. But anyway, I actually approve of the Orville, and maybe at the next book club I'll ask some questions about Star Trek, since you don't seem to know much about it either. Nope. Though I feel if I went back and watched the original series, uh, se- like, what was it, Um, Kirk? Yeah, Kirk and Spock. Yeah, that was Spock in the original series. Mm-hmm. Who played uh, 
see, I, I keep combining them. So in the next generation, you had Picard. Yeah, which is Xavier. You Charles had, Xavier. Yeah, that's uh, no, fucking. <laughs> that's Patrick where, Stewart. It's Charles Xavier. He's Picard and Charles Xavier. You had uh, Mr. Reading Rainbow himself. Yes. And then who played Spock in that? It was a different guy, right? I don't think there was Spock in that. No, it was the robot guy. If anybody that loves Star Trek is listening to this, they're fucking <laughs> hating us right now. I can't remember his name. Data. Oh, yeah, there was Data, yeah. I like never having, literally never having watched the show, not one episode of any of it, or movies or anything. And at least it's so in the zeitgeist that I at least know the names mm-hmm. of random characters. And Mr. Zulu, that's the original, right? And then you had Michelle uh, Nichols, whoever she played. Yeah, she was in the original. Um, she just passed away. Yeah, uh, and then like Shatner was Kirk, and then you had Leonard Nimoy. So I know yeah, that, that much. That was Spark. Was Spark. Spark. I like Spark, Spark better. <laughs> Sparky. That could be Data if he he's like the knockoff. Uh, whatever. So anyway, that's uh, yeah. Watch the Orville, folks, if you like sci-fi. And again, I'm not even a big sci-fi TV show kind of guy. Like I watched the first couple seasons of The Expanse, and I thought that was really good. You, you know who I like. Bordis. Bordis. I do love me some Bordis. Um, I like all the characters so far. I think it's a very well-balanced crew, and I enjoy it, so I'm going to keep watching it. Um, yeah. So anyway, we got a great show for you folks, so we oh, can't, God have, damn it. can't have too long of a cold open because we're going real pop culture today. Too high of expectations. Yeah, I don't get your expectations up that much. It's going to be an okay show at best. You are listening to the Drunken Penwriting Podcast, and I am going to speak just like this for the whole entire episode. Monotone. Monotone. We, If we had robots that were not very sophisticated, this is how they would probably sound. Laugh, laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Let's be honest. They would still sound better than us. Most likely. I'm your host, Caleb James, with me today, loading, loading, loading. Spencer, the Hong Kong Hank Hill Humper Church. Yeah. 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 Like that? That's a weird mixture of uh, two different cultures there. Yeah, Texas. But there was an episode I remember where Hank Hill goes. I actually think that he went to Japan. And it turns oh. out he has a brother. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what, the yeah, Asian he, brother because his dad. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was really funny from what I remember. <laughs> Does he also have no ass? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll have to show you the clip from it because I don't even remember if I actually saw the episode, uh, but it was really fucking funny. Anyway, today's here uh, episode, Spencer, you want to know what the episode's about? Sure, why not? You can find out by subscribing to our Patreon. <laughs> I hate that because I listen to a couple of podcasts that do that where it's like, oh, they'll drop a really cool title of an episode. I'm like, ooh, that sounds really interesting, but Patreon's only. And I'm like, fuck, you're not yeah. I'm not giving you money. That's that's a little stream. No, today's episode, what makes a hero, Spencer? Now, we covered the hero's journey, I believe, but have we ever actually broke down what makes someone a hero? I don't believe so. What makes your character a and, hero? And even if we did, I'm sure we got some different insights or new people who don't like to go back to, uh, back at, you know. Yeah, I don't blame uh, them. <laughs> uh, I was inspired to come up with this idea. Because every once in a while, usually every three to six months, 
I end up binge watching some of my favorite scenes from Marvel movies and just different mm. movies, not just Marvel movies, because I watch things like, uh, you know what, I'll get into that in a minute. But I'm going to use the Marvel movies example because that's what started off the binge yesterday. Okay. I was sitting at home and I just happened to see a YouTube clip of, oh, uh, what was it? Ah, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. doesn't matter. It was, I think it was uh, something from Endgame because it, it always goes in the same pattern for me. Uh, I watched one of the, the, whatever scene it is from Endgame, one of them will pop up and then I'm like, oh yeah, you know what that makes me want to see? I want to see Captain America yeah. lift the hammer. Uh, then I want to see the audience reaction to Captain America lifting the hammer. Yeah. And yeah. then I want to see him do the Avengers Assemble when he's facing down a whole army. And Yeah, there's a good like 15 to 20 minutes there towards the end of Endgame that's like completely like rewatchable yeah. like multiple times. Wanda just fucking about to destroy Thanos. Uh, and just for the years you just see ah, Spider-Man just flipping away in the yeah. background that you never noticed before where, you know. Tony Stark just sacrificing himself for the betterment of mankind and then there's also, you know, not just the scene where he says, I am Iron Man and then he snaps but then you can find the Iron Maiden version of it where he goes I uh, am Iron like has the music that goes with it you're like fuck you get all pumped up punch the kid in the face <laughs> that one's not sad at all it just pumps you up but anyway so I went I literally I went down the whole warm wormhole so then I get to the redemption of Andrew Garfield Spider-Man saving his you know yep. the other MJ mm-hmm. and it's like oh fuck and then I get, I get all emotional watching and then I go to the death scenes where I'm watching Spider-Man die Tony Stark die <laughs> yeah. I'm just like you, that's what it was I watched it was it was just a random clip the Guardians of the Galaxy dance off where he's distracting oh, yeah. blue guy I forget his name now no least important villain and then they shoot the power stone out of his hand i believe that was the infinity stone and then quill jumps out in slow motion grabs it and he's fucking yeah and that's before you know that he has a bit of um what do they call not eternals eternal uh uh, something like like what ego is yeah anyway so he has a little bit of that in him which he didn't know because he didn't know his dad was a living planet Mm. uh and then so he's not gonna die but you think he's gonna die because that's what's supposed to happen to a mortal that holds the stone and so again it's supposed to be a big sacrifice and they all come together and pretty much they're gonna sacrifice themselves and you're just like fuck well what about even like even right before that scene the whole whenever uh like they're getting ready to crash right before that and Groot wraps himself oh, in it, and, 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 and it's just, we are Groot. Yeah. That we are Groot, like. Oh, oh, I'll fucking get you. Oh. And, like then, that, Ro- and then Rocket's like, why, Groot, you're going to die. And you're like, damn it. He starts shaking. Shit your pants a little. <laughs> uh, they do those scenes so well in those movies. But going back, like I said, there's other scenes from other movies that are also my go-to uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which I don't even think I've ever actually watched that movie, but the fact that it's based on a real guy, and I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but the Mel Gibson movie. I, I've I've I haven't watched it, but I know because again, isn't that isn't that uh Andrew Garfield? Yeah, yeah, Andrew Garfield. Um, he's playing, and I I apologize if I fucking mess up his name. I think it's Devin Dawes. Like I said, I didn't watch the movie. But he was a pacifist. Like, his religion prohibited him from killing anybody. He's not going to kill anybody. And this is World War II, right? So he gets drafted. Actually, I think he wanted to enlist, but he just didn't want to shoot anybody. And they're they're trying to kick him out of the army. They're trying to arrest him. They're trying to do all this awful shit to him. And he's like, no, I want to be, like, I'll be a medic. You know, I'm not going to hold a gun, but I'll say. So he goes into this fucking um, 
just this war against the Japanese, and he just literally no weapon, and he saves like 70 fucking guys, drags them out of there, uh, and even saves some of the Japanese guys. But you're just watching, you're just like, holy mm. fuck. And then there's a scene where, and it's one of those rare movies where Vince Vaughn's like good. Yeah. You know, like when he just decides to be a good actor and stuff. Because he can be. Yeah. And then what's, what really fucking gets you, this is what teared me up. I, like I said, I watched a bunch of scenes from it. I think it was one of those ones I couldn't watch the whole movie because it was like 20 bucks or something. Like I never find. I really don't think I watched that movie. But I know I watched enough scenes where I pieced it together. But there's a part like in training. Uh, I, I don't know if it's basic training or whatever. But he like the guys are giving him shit. And since he's a pacifist and he won't fight, like they have to do more push ups and all mm. this shit. And they end up beating the fuck out of him. And he won't snitch on him. Like the the sergeant comes in, he's not he won't snitch on him, and then he ends up fucking saving all these guys, yeah. he saves their lives, and like he's like he weighs like 130 pounds, and that was like and this is a real story, like he did all this shit. You're like holy fuck. So things like that is like what makes a hero, and I think who who described it best, uh, if we wanted to go to the most basic definition of what makes a hero, is when we watched the Neil Gaiman's Masterclass mm-hmm. when he was uh, talking about Coraline being a hero isn't doing isn't being brave. It's doing the right thing when you're scared shitless. Mm-hmm. And that's what real bravery is when you do something and you're scared to do it. If well, you, you know, if you're not scared to do it, you're just, you know, you're going to do it. That's not really that brave. Yeah. Or the um you do you do you do whatever it is that you're doing because you can. Yeah. You know, um uh, you know, Spider-Man is, you know, probably my favorite Spider-Man or Spider-Man is probably my favorite comic character he could go and just be an nba athlete make millions of dollars or something he doesn't have to save people and then you know because you get the you know you get the whole uncle ben and with great power comes great responsibility and that's always one of the things that that's the hallmark of him but there's always constant times where somebody be like you know why are you why are you doing this why why are you doing the, the things that you do and he like you know he even he saved his enemies countless times and stuff like like that, and it's because, and the answer is, because I can. Yeah. I can do it, so I will do it. And um, he's very much like the, uh, you know, he's not a pacifist like the uh, guy in that war movie, but he, especially through the, the past, like, decade or so, he had a very, like, nobody dies. Mm-hmm. Nobody dies on my watch. I save everybody. And then... So when he doesn't save somebody, it's that he, you know, wrecks him. And even whenever it's not his fault, you know, he shoulders that burden. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, well, here's three of my favorite scenes that don't deal with an actual superhero at the time. Two of them are Captain America movies. The first one oh, yeah, is I, the very first. You probably know where I'm going. The first Captain America movie where uh, Tommy Lee Jones is talking to the other sergeant or whatever. Yeah, it's he is. like doing like. Basic training, training, yeah, boot yeah. camp. And uh, he's talking to the scientist guy. And the guy's like, we, you know, he's like, he wants to pick the big bully guys to, to be the test for the serum. And he's like, look, he's big, he's strong, he's a soldier. And he's like, yeah, but you need more than that. Like, the scientist guy is trying to explain to him that that's not the ideal candidate. It's somebody who has the morals and the bravery and the heart of a hero, mm-hmm. not necessarily the physique. And he throws a dummy grenade. Tommy Lee Jones, the test, it throws a dummy grenade in a big group where everybody's doing like jumping jacks or something. And you know who fucking dies on it? 100 pounds Steve Rogers. And he's like telling everybody, get away, go. He had nothing to gain there. No. Everybody could have just ran away. He dives on the fucking grenade before he has powers or anything, 100% believing he's going to die, but he's going to save people. That's Mm -hmm. a hero. The second one. 
the other captain uh, was this well, for Winter e- Soldier? Well, even a little bit before that, like before he does the training, they do that clip where he is saving, like he's fighting a bully, and, and he and, won't and, back and, down. And, and, yeah, and he has he has a garbage can. It, 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 it's 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 such a good. Uh, like tease of or foreshadowing what's going on. The garbage he can. He has the garbage shield. can as the shield, and you know it's the I don't like bullies. Mm-hmm. You know, the other one. Um, this might have been. You have to correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it was from the Winter Soldier. No, it couldn't have. Been. It was when Loki came down. Maybe it was an Avengers movie. Maybe yeah. Um, it's when Loki is essentially. I think he's in Germany, and he makes all the humans bow down to him, and he's doing this pretty much a Hitler speech. Mm-hmm. I'm a god and stuff. And then. He's he's going on about you know you this is your rightful place subjugated to me on your knees or whatever he's saying and then one old man stands up and he's like no he's not gonna take it and he, you get the implication that he was there for Hitler doing this yeah but it could easily been the Red Skull um, yeah you know in the Marvel universe but either way he was there for a tyrant who ruled people he's probably a kid and when that happened he's not gonna do it again he doesn't care he he stands up knowing he's gonna die and he says no. And then um, Loki gives the line talking about, like, there's nobody like me or there's no men like me. And the guy says, there's always men like you. And then he's about to kill him. And then that's when Captain America jumps in. But who's the actual hero of that scene? Was it Captain America who saved the old guy? Or is it the old guy standing up even though he wasn't going to? Even knowing that he was going to die. Yeah. And this wasn't the third scene I was going to talk about just because we're talking about just random people. The train scene in Spider-Man 2. When oh, the people yeah. st- all stand up to Doc Ock when Peter Parker's down and out, like they, he, well, Joey Diaz is up front, yeah, and he even swallows real hard. He's gonna get fucked up. They all know they're gonna, yeah. they're probably gonna die. But again, no, that's what I loved about that movie. Is it shows like New Yorkers standing together. It's like, no, this is fucking our guy. We're gonna, you know, we'll do what we can to protect him. Which they weren't able to, mm-hmm. but the fact that they tried. The third scene. Oh, what was it? Shit. While I think of that, do you have any favorite scenes? Uh, I mean, there's just, there's, uh, uh, like to go back to those, um, like the Spider-Man's or Green Goblin where he has, he has Mary Jane and he has the, like the, am that, whatever that, um, it's not a bus, but whatever, like that cart full of people yeah. and he drops them both trying to, you know, you're like, yeah, you can only save one, but no, Spider-Man, he, he saves them both. He almost strips himself in half doing Yeah, but it. he saves them both. Um... But yeah, there's uh, like I said, like you know, there's a good like twenty minutes of Endgame, you know, whenever he either picks up the shield or just like the you know whenever the comms come on you, you know, come on and it's the Falcon on your left to call yeah. back to oh. all those. Oh man, just like all that stuff is is, is great, you know. Um, it's so hard to pick out, but I feel like the uh, the Captain America movies did the best of showing. What like Captain America is, and what yeah. makes Captain America Captain? What America. makes him worthy of holding Thor's hammer? Yeah, like, like it. Oh, like, and I'm not even like a huge Captain America guy, but like those next to like before the Spider-Man movies came, mm-hmm. that was my favorite like franchise out of the Marvel movies. Were those Captain America movies? Yeah, they were. They were really good. I can't remember what that last one was, but there's a lot of great examples of of a here. You know. Like, what makes a hero? And I like to always go to the ones that are... Fuck, I remembered. 
the All third right. one. There you go. Uh, this is why I couldn't. Uh, this is why I was on like the tip of my tongue, but it was just it's Hancock. The movie uh, Hancock because it's a superhero movie, but, but not, not. Yeah, yeah. Um, what it had one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie had nothing to do with being a, like a superhero. It was a line in the movie, and I'm I don't remember uh, directly here, so I'll paraphrase. But there was a scene where I think one of the cops tells Will Smith. Uh, he was a superhero. He could do whatever he wants. Pretty much Superman in that universe. Uh, he was like, hey, you know, you got to say thank you or something to these cops. And he was kind of thinking, what the fuck would I say thank you? Is And they're like, and then the one cop says something along the lines of these guys are out here and they're not bulletproof, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just sh- like he it, he finally gets it because it shows them that, oh, shit. Yeah, I am. You know, I'm the hero, quote unquote, but I can't die. I can't really get hurt or anything. These guys, though, out yeah. here who are trying to do the right thing, they're not immortals. They don't, they like, you know, they get hit with a flying car, they're dead. Mm. So they get shot, they're fucked up, or they're dead. So I just, I, I like that parallel of the hero and then the regular man. And then it's like, who's the actual hero, though? Because it's easy to be a hero. You were bringing up off air about Wonder Woman walking through that, uh, what was it? The no, the dead man's land. Like that's inspiring because she goes through that and she's deflecting bullets and all this shit. But she's also a god. Yeah, she's a god. What about the regular people who were in that area? You know, like the regular soldiers. Like that's why the Superman thing is always hard to make him really likable or relatable because he could. You know, what's the risk to him? It has to be somebody else well, that he's saving. I was just going to bring up that. Um, one of the main things in um in in a lot of Superman stuff that I've been reading recently is uh how he um inspires people in Metropolis just by like you know helping them out you know by him doing them seeing him do stuff that is kind of causing a ripple effect of the other citizens doing other small things mm-hmm. that help. And then, you know, depending on the story, that even kind of will circle back around to helping Superman with, with, with something of, you know, the city, you know, that he's been trying to save and protect, giving back to him. Yeah. And I wanted to get to Superman eventually because, you know, with him being basically the first superhero and he is kind of like the model of a hero of... Even more so than uh, Spider-Man because, like, it's... Um, the thing about Superman is if he didn't have his powers, powers. he would still be trying to save people. Yeah, he'd still That's be... That's what makes him a hero, not his powers. And that even, like, his clock can is, like, he, with his writing, like, he'll not only will go and punch the bad guy in the face, but he'll write a story exposing, like, a bad corporation that will, you know, help get people money or, or whatever, you know what I mean, bring light onto something. Helps real people in mm. real life versus, just, you know, how many, yeah, you might be saving people if you're stopping a monster and stuff like that, but that's not going to affect everybody's yeah. everyday life, yeah. such as what his Clark Kent work does. And, and he, um, uh, selflessness of it, because, like, uh, you know, there's always the comparison between, like, him and Batman to where Batman just he's a hero, but it's more driven by this need of wanting to vengeance. Yeah, wanting to stop what happened, whatever happened, what happened to him. He wants to stop that from happening to anybody else. But Superman is more. Uh, I don't want to say like proactive because that's not right. But it's more like he's helping 
because he wants to and he you know in his mind it it will make a change it will to where mm-hmm. like batman's like i know this isn't really working but it's like it's the only thing i can do to you know to to, to even try to help you know even though that he's a billionaire now and he could you know <laughs> yeah. make cheap schools and oh, whatever and, and all that stuff but we'll, that, that's a whole that's a whole nother episode <laughs> uh and also the you know the the screw loose that Batman, you know, ultimately has. Well, Batman, he wants to stop evil. Superman, he kind of, it's it's different. It's not like he wants to stop evil. He wants there to just not be evil. He wants to bring out the good in the world, whereas Batman wants to fight the bad in the world, if that makes sense. Uh, it's like, you know, optimism versus pessimism. It's one guy sees the glass half full, the other one sees it half empty. Batman's mm. the empty guy. He uh, thinks everything's bad and needs fixing, where, of course, Gotham is shitty. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Metropolis is a little better. Uh, but Superman, he sees well, uh, the Superman, hope in the world. Well, you know, Superman well, means hope. Yeah, well, uh, Superman's more of a global hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Batman's pretty local. Yeah. The one though, thing I do like about Batman and what I always find interesting all of his sidekicks, like his Batman family, and just how they turn out. Because, you know, you have, like, you know, you have uh, Nightwing, who's the first Robin, and he is just as good as Batman in a lot of things, better than some. A lot of time he's always credited as the second greatest detective on the planet behind Batman. Yeah. But he's ha- he's has able to been to not get past his trauma but he's been able to like help accept it more accept it and 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 deal with it in a more healthy manner so he's not always like not dressing like a bat and punching clowns so so he's not always pushing people away or always very broody i mean can have more healthy relationships yeah more yeah i mean well shit he also bangs aliens and stuff too but i mean noise uh but then you also got the Jason Todds that, you know, get killed by the Joker mm. and all that stuff. I I just think that's always a cool dynamic and to see the effects that he has like on this other generations of heroes and how like and it is kind of almost like the father son thing of like the father's job is always kind of have the the kid be a better version mm. of you. I mean, well, both my parents in general, your job is to have this make this little person be a better version of what you guys were. Yeah. And their job is if they have kids to make a better version of, you know, of yeah. them. So that's all that's always interesting to me. Well, going back to Spider-Man, uh because this really is applicable to Superman especially and Batman because Batman has the no kill uh, supposedly, I mean, yeah. in the older Batman, he's throwing fucking guys off of yeah. helicopters and shit. But he, he maiming no- and crippling are <laughs> a okay. <laughs> supposedly, Batman is a no kill superhero, and Superman doesn't kill either. He's the Boy Scout. But I'm bringing up uh, Spider Man just because in No Way Home, uh, Tobey Maguire prevents um, Tom Holland Spider Man from killing the Goblin who killed his aunt, mm-hmm. and you know he ends up getting stabbed for who it. Who has he- also killed. People, the goblin wants to, but who has also killed people that Tobey Maguire, yeah, has loved too, and he's stepping up to save. So even on both those parts, there. Mm-hmm. But what I like about that, and that's what the main driving factor for a lot of villains seems to be, and what uh, really proves if a person's a hero or not, is how they act when they're pushed to the edge, when they're pushed to their limit. 
So in that situation, a young, immature Spider-Man was about to kill the Green Goblin, not mm-hmm. thinking it through, whereas uh, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, he lived that, and he knows another way now. He's older, he's more mature, so he stops him. But if you use that same thing for uh, Superman, what's a villain going to do? If they could find out Superman's love interest is Lois Lane, mm-hmm. you're going to try to kill Lois Lane because that pushes Superman over the edge. Mm-hmm. And well, then- there's that whole um, Injustice series where... The Joker kills Lois Lane, who is pregnant with his kid, Ooh. and it just fucking sends Snaps him. That's him. what that's what sends him over into, uh, you know, making him kind of, you know, trying to con- uh, rule the world and and everything like mm-hmm. that. That that you know, you take that thing away from somebody. And- well, what I like about those kind of stories, and Batman always falls victim to these stories, is. It shows you where their limit is, and then when they finally snap, and let's say, uh, we'll use the Man of Steel, he kills Zod. Kind of had to, but, you know, it obviously eats him up. But once they break, like Batman, if so if he kills the Joker, uh, like the, what is it, the killing joke, um, yeah. he, he broke his rule, he broke his one moral code, and it pushed him over the limit. And now where you're, what aspect you have to go with is the hero's redemption. Because mm. everybody can get pushed over the limit. Like, depending on the situation, I don't think there's anyone who's infallible. to yeah. Like, there's, even Superman is not infallible mm. to not being a hero in certain well, moments. And, like, what I liked about Man of Steel, because, again, like, I've said before, I'm not a huge Superman guy, so when they want to make some changes to him or make him a little bit darker or take the fucking underwear off of his pants, yeah. I don't get all, you know, freaked out about that. But, like, what I did like about Man of Steel is it's like, well, first of all, that's very, like, he's he's he was Superman for, like, the last, like, 20 or 30 minutes of that movie, so he has no idea or concept of what... Superman is yet. He's learning how to be a hero. So He's not a hero yet. So that's a good le- learning block and like redemption thing. But like you have this superpowered person who is your equal in every way who is even more so because he's been around. He knows like Kryptonian physiology. He like, you know, he knows yeah. all the all the stuff that they can do. And the only way to save that parent and the, that family in that train station is to take out the threat. Sometimes you have to break that moral code to save. Yeah. It's not, you can't always, you know what I mean, as to kind of take it back to war, like you want to do the right thing and you want to help and you, but like sometimes- It's not always black and white. Yeah, it's a lot of gray in those situations. And so sometimes you have to break your it's own- the old train conductor yeah. uh you know problem where on the left you have your loved one tied to the track on the right you have 10 people you don't know tied to the track yeah. and you can only save one side yeah who do you who do you pick yeah it's it's like one of those things um if you want to be more objective about it you have two on the left that you don't know and five on the right that you do or you don't know you don't know any of them then you're probably going to sacrifice the two yeah but to be a hero and you can't like it's that choice and that that's why another great hero uh part of the hero's journey and the hero's redemption is when they have to let go of their loved one to say for the greater good Mm -hmm. because that's a that's a tough call to make you know um like in the dark knight the joker he did the whole boat full of innocent people boat full of criminals i think yeah. that was it uh, it's like what you know do who blows up who like they get to pick and the criminals were the ones that are like no you know what we'll go down if well, we have to well, actually it was just debo 
Debo. It was just, just, just Debo. I was just like, all right. <laughs> Ain't going to fuck with Debo. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd rather take my chance with the bomb. Which is also another interesting just like side note of like, just because you did something bad and you are in prison for something doesn't, you know, condemn you from being terrible or evil forever. Then right. you, you're still able to do, you're able to still redeem yourself, mm-hmm. even if it's something that you know that it might that's why hurt I like, you in the end. That's why I like when the original uh, ending to The Shining is Jack Nicholson's character, uh, Jack Torrance in the book. He and I think they did in the miniseries. He has like a moment of clarity where he's like, which is supposed to be about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. The moment of clarity where he does sacrifice himself to save his family yeah. in the end does not happen in the movie version, uh, Stanley Kubrick's version, which is, uh, you know, that that would be my biggest critique is uh, in the book it's Jack Torrance going crazy. In the movie he's already crazy from Jump Street. Yeah, and then much. and you don't get that little sliver of redemption. Yeah, that, of you, like hey, that's what I like is when. Whether it's the usually the villain, uh, is, they do something to at least somewhat redeem themselves. Maybe they're doing something. Doc Ock's a good example. Uh, in the end of the Spider-Man movie, he what was that Spider-Man two? Uh, at the end, he has again, you he know, moment, moment of clarity, yeah. takes himself down to save everybody. Uh, so and nobody's gonna know except for Spider-Man. So those moments are great. Um, shifting gears, just because we did enough of your superhero stuff, okay. we're gonna go my wheelhouse now. All right. Uh, what I think exemplifies a hero very well is Tolkien's creation, which is I don't think it's actually his creation, but the re- the reluctant hero, mm, yeah. uh, Bilbo Baggins, Frodo Baggins, Samwise, like all these characters, all these hobbits, they're li- they're men of leisure. Mm-hmm. They do not want to go on these adventures. They don't want to leave their holes. They don't want to save the world. They just don't want to be bothered. But ultimately. They're heroes, and they do what's right, and they go through with this fucking just terrible. Like, would you want to walk across the United States and back? No. (laughs) And through mountains and shit, and you don't even have shoes, and it's just cold and rainy all the time, and you have to fight monsters nonstop, and you're, like, three feet tall. No, you probably wouldn't, but they do it because some old guy said they have to, and if they don't, the world ends, and they're like, well, can't have the world end. Fuck. I like that. The reluctant hero who ultimately turns into the hero. And um, why that's good is because even though Mr. Tolkien hates allegory, it is a perfect allegory of the World War One and World War Two soldiers who they knew they were fighting actual evil. And even though, like for the Americans especially, it's like we don't really have to get involved in this shit. Uh, World War One probably more so than World War Two because we got bombed. Mm-hmm. But again, we didn't have to go to Germany really. We were, our beef was with Japan. But we finally we stepped up and we're like, all right, we, we're going to help out. But it's just like the reluctant hero. It's like, I don't really want to do this, but it needs done. I'm going to do it. Uh, so or, Tolkien, or like a lot of time it's like, I don't want to do this, but it's like I'm the only person that can. Yeah. That's, so I must. That's a great point. I, I'm the only one that can. If I don't, evil wins. War's bad altogether. Every war's bullshit. It's usually war's bad. Okay, yeah, war's bad. It's always fucking rich guy making poor people kill each other. Like that's what it nece- you know generally is. But I would say World War Two is the last real war that I can think of where at least you had. Oh, this is this side's evil. Yeah, like this is bad and this is good. Uh, after that, it's, it's just like everybody's kind of shitty. 
Yeah, it's like, uh, and I can only really speak from the American side here, but like the Vietnam, Vietnam War is like, why the fuck are we even over there? Like Vietnam is fucking communism, killing their own people, all this shit. Yeah, I get we want world police or whatever. We shouldn't be over there. Uh, so we go over there and well, we kill a bunch of innocent well, people. Like, but they could have been like one thing, like, hey, let's try to go over there and help, and like, like, but like, let's not, and then. But, like, have it go out for, like, a decade where we're just slaughtering yeah. generations. Well, I mean, can you think of any war post-World War war post World War Two that, uh, like, America was the good guy? We're not necessarily, we might always be the bad guy, but we're not doing good things. Like, the whole, everything in the Middle East, it's like, we're kind of the bad guy. We're yeah. blowing up innocent people, too. So, it's like, it's just, it's it, that's when we just switch to, like, rich people, you know fucking causing poor people to die unnecessarily. So there's no heroes after World War II, in my opinion. Uh, granted, the people who are fighting these wars, the poor innocent souls, they're the heroes because oh, yeah. they're just doing what they think is right. But, I mean, if you they, really they, go by that uh, viewpoint, you could kind of say the Nazi soldiers, not the generals and everyone in charge, just the guys that it's like, hey, you either fight for us or your family dies. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. Well, like, to them, they're probably thinking they were doing the right thing. Not all of them were probably... I mean, I'm sure a lot of them were, but you can't say every Nazi was like a Jew-hating evil person. Yeah, they were uh, probably just trying to survive. And I could base that on our war and with you know war on terror that we had in the United States after 9/11. We went over there and it was like, you know, we should probably go to Afghanistan for some reason. And then we're just killing innocent people, but we're just so gun ho that we're just thinking, oh, we're doing the right thing. We're killing terrorists, but like you're not though. You might be killing some terrorists, but you're also killing innocent people. I don't want to go to the we you know too into the weeds of politics and stuff, but it's just it's it's not ever very defined whether and we've talked about this in previous episodes about like the villains' motivations are right for them, so they might think they are doing good. Every hero is a villain, or every every villain is a hero in their own mind. Yeah, for the most part, maybe not like the Joker. Yeah, well, yeah. Which you, if if you have a really interesting villain, they actually think they're like Thanos. They like yeah. they think they're doing the right thing. The Thanos Infinity War comics, he's just trying to impress death. Yeah, not cool. No, he's just like crazy, and it's not like. But in the movies, I've, he's that's trying what, to balance the cosmos. Yeah, which I feel like that's like respectable. Yeah, like, maybe he's not doing it right. But but again, it, it's like if you have all that, why can't you just be like more stuff. extra stuff? Because he's a jerk. Yeah, he's purple. Yeah. I like purple guys with ball chins. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Because we, I'm not trying to go into the hero's journey. Yeah. I just want to talk about some aspects of being a hero. And uh, I thought it would be fun to just do, like, the movie stuff we've watched. Um, if you go through, like, books and stuff. See, in literary fiction, it's usually not defined that there is a hero in a lot of the stories because it's just real life almost. It's, you, you get the protagonist and the antagonist. But even still, those, you know, depending well, on Well, if you think story... like of a, a Mice and Men, there's no heroes in that. No. There's no real bad guys in that. It's just people living their lives. If I think, I think of East of Eden, it's one of my favorite Steinbeck books. There's a clear villain in the story. But it's she is kind of a psychopath, so you can at least give her that. But still, a villainous circumstance for the most part. And then there's no real heroes in it because it's not that kind of story. There's a lot of stories that don't have or don't feature the hero's journey. And again, that's a lot of literary fiction. Uh, but if you go into genre fiction, that's where it's yeah, more that's- defined usually. Because you always have like the general, you have to overcome something. That's mm-hmm. what usually makes you a hero. Um, but I can't think of any books that really define it any better than we already explained with the superhero stuff. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's the most like obvious. Yeah. Like you know, you got the heroes; they're actually called superheroes. 
Um, because they're supposed to really exemplify what it means to be a hero to a super level. Like, it's supposed to be almost parody. It's like Superman is almost a parody of what a hero is. Captain America is a great one because he's like, he's so red, white, and blue that it's like, for his initial run, punching Nazis and stuff. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, this is almost comical. This guy is so over the top. But then they, you know, they mellowed him out, and he actually, like Civil War, for example, like, you know, he has to do what he feels is right yeah. versus what, you know, it's right for the country and yeah. everything. Again, like I said, like that series, because they, there's been many comics too where it's like Cap and Captain America is at odds with the country. He, yeah. you know, he swore to, you know, to protect and stuff. And he has the fucking, you know, fucking shield and the fucking A on his head. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but like he finds himself at odds with them a lot of times because of the stuff that they do. You know who's a very interesting character when it comes to what it means to be a hero? Rorschach. Yeah. Because, and actually you could throw Dr. Manhattan and Ozymandias and all of them. Mm-hmm. Because people, I, especially now, I really don't think they give Watchmen the credit it deserves oh, for the hero breakdown. Oh, yeah, because there's just been so much stuff that's been built off of that yeah. that people don't even realize the origin of a lot yeah. of that stuff. Well, let's break it down. Rorschach, heinous guy. Mm-hmm. He'll kill anybody. But really. one of the most likable characters in the entire series. And why is that? Because he has a moral compass that he will follow to what he believes is the truth and what is real no matter what. He's not going to stray from that moral compass. So he might murder a lot of mobsters, maybe murder people unjustly, just like some of the stuff they might do probably doesn't deserve getting decapitated or something, but he it doesn't matter. He can probably throw a punisher in with that too. Mm. Uh, but he has an end and he sacrifices himself at the end of like the book and the movie because he knows what is right and what is wrong ultimately. And no matter what, he's like, hey, if I gotta fucking die, whatever. But this is right, and you guys well, are wrong. It's also it kind of it's kind of like when you're talking about that old old man standing up to Loki. It's you know he kind of knows like yes, this is gonna bring the war together, but he also knows that he can't stand being in this war, yeah, knowing this and not. So he's like. I'm going to tell, like, you know, he's. Ba- I think he was basically goading Manhattan into killing yeah. him because he knew that he wouldn't be able to not well, here's go the, against that. Here's his moral dilemma, too. It's, yes, what Ozymandias, because we'll get to him in a second, what his plan will do is bring the world together, but millions of people, and if you go to the movie version, maybe even billions of yeah. people, because they blow up multiple cities and that, uh, are going to die... And then that's the train conductor thing again. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, is that killing millions to save billions? You know, like that's a tough decision. Uh, to Rorschach, it's not a tough to sh- decision. You don't kill innocent people. Uh, so it doesn't matter if the world comes together. You, you're you not going to kill. You're not going to blow up a city. In the book, it's New York City. You're not going to blow it up just as a, because you think. Because, again, you don't know if they're going to come together. You're just yeah. assuming. Uh, that goes to Ozymandias. He is the villain who is a hero because he thinks, you know, he's the hero of his own mind. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's going to bring the world together because he's the smartest man on the planet. And in theory, it should. But his way about going, you know, doing it is like it's evil. Mm-hmm. You're going to kill to kill to kill anyone like that's that's fucked up. Uh, and then you got Dr. Manhattan. He has a very interesting role because he starts off as a hero, but he loses his humanity as the story unfolds because he comes more godlike 
And then he finally get, almost gets to the point where he's just like, I don't really care about humans anymore. Well, it's it's that weird, like, he knows, as soon as he gets turned, he gets trapped in that thing, and he gets turned, and he comes back as Dr. Manhattan. It's like he already knows. It's 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 that weird thing you get with, like, the time, some time travels, or these, like, He knows beans, all the outcomes. Like, and yeah, the, like, he, like, he knows it's happening, and there's nothing you can do to stop that from thing. happening. Like he just knows so everything. So it, it's just going to happen, so he just, you know, lets it go. Well, what happens is so Rorschach follows his moral compass and doesn't even stop to think that maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's going in the wrong direction. There's no change in him. Ozymandias, he ends up going and following his moral compass in the wrong direction, and he just continues that direction. And it doesn't matter if someone else shows him something that, like, hey, you know, maybe there's another way. Or so he's almost like Rorschach, and he's gonna. Fu- They're just like on a crash course to whatever their end is. But then Doctor Manhattan, he's risen above a moral compass. There is no compass for him anymore. He doesn't view the world like you were saying. He views all things at once. Like he doesn't view the world as we would. It's just it doesn't matter to him. He just becomes like a part of the universe. And he, he might as well just be like a clump of dirt. Like it doesn't matter mm. what happens to him. Doesn't matter what happens to anybody. He's just kind of there viewing it, uh, which would be a very depressing, but also very liberating way to live. Mm. Like I wouldn't mind being yeah. like not caring about anything anymore, uh, and also having really cool powers and walking around with your dick out because mm. nobody who's who's gonna say anything. And you could change sizes of it, but you don't care to. That's yeah. the weird thing. So anyway, superheroes, man. Uh, I feel like we could do another episode on this in the future. That could mm. be fun. Uh, maybe use more non-superhero versions for people who don't like superheroes. I feel like everybody knows what we're talking about, though. So yeah, it's it's a good um, it's a good barometer. Yeah, to 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 talk about the things. Um. Anyway, folks, if you want to check out our work, you go to drunkenpenwriting.com. I uh, go to the old Twitter at Drunk Pen Writing, Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Pen Writing, and you can leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast service you have that has reviews. That'd be much appreciated so we get boosted up in the algorithm, Spencer. Algorithms. And then you can go to Spencer's OnlyFans. Uh, that is the Hong Kong Hank Hill Humper. It's going to be a weird one. It's going to be a weird one. Uh, so thank you for listening. A lot of propane. <laughs> and propane accessories. Yes. Um... And Boomhauer, too. Uh, So uh, we'll check you next time. Excelsior.